still don't have clips, right? Okay. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go uh, with me to Ecclesiastes 10 and 18. We'll read that in just a second. We started a series last week called Renovations. And the first part of that series was on foundation. And we understand that without a good foundation, it doesn't matter how beautiful the building is, it's going to fall. So it's important that we have a good solid foundation. How many of you have ever had something that, uh, how can I say this? How many of you have ever seen a building that looked like it was in good shape and then started walking around in it and you could feel the floor giving? There were, uh, when Debbie and I were, first got married, we started to, you know, look for a house, and we went out into the country, you know, and looking at several houses, and I'd see these houses, and on the outside, they looked like a, you know, a cute country house, and, but when I'd get on the inside and start walking around, the whole floor would give. And so it was like there were sections of homes that, and I thought, man, this isn't good. You know, you could be walking through the house at night and end up in the basement. And so you've got to make sure you've got a good foundation. And we know that that foundation is Christ. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk to you about preventive maintenance. Everybody say that with me, preventive maintenance. How many of you have ever had a car? Maybe I, I could ask it this way. I don't, let, let me ask it this way. How many of you learned, had to learn, that you have to keep up maintenance on a car? Was there ever a time in your life where you just, you, you didn't think about that? You know, you just thought, you just got to get in and drive. You know, and, and you never thought about checking the oil or changing the oil or rotating the tires. I, when I, I talk with uh, young people, a lot of times when they start to drive or, you know, they're, they're getting cars, and I ask them, I, I'll ask them questions, have you checked your oil? And a lot of times I just get this blank stare. And I, I said, you, you, you've got to check the oil. And I've taken some of them out and showed them where the oil stick was. And I remember one individual, I was showing where the oil stick was, and I pulled the stick out, and there was no oil showing on that stick. And I said, girl, you got to get some oil in this vehicle, man. This thing, will it's not going to run if you don't keep up maintenance on it. I think sometimes we uh, just assume that everything's always going to work in life, and we forget that an ounce of prevention is what? Worth a pound of cure. And so it, it, it happens that way with our lives as well with God. Let me read to you Ecclesiastes 10 and 18. Because of laziness, everybody say laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. In other words, what the writer is saying is if you're not keeping up with the maintenance of the house, then it begins to fall apart. Now, we understand that the writer of Ecclesiastes 
is not giving us a lesson. What, there we go. What he's trying to do is he's trying to tell us something about our life maintenance. How many of you remember when you first gave your heart to God? Can you remember? Hold, hold your hand up if you remember that. What was it like for you? Was it exciting? Was it, you know, when, when I first got saved, they asked me, they said, that I did, you know, they, they said, what's it, what's it feel like? I was just a, a, a kid at the time, and I said, man, I said, I, I feel like Tony the Tiger. I think Jesus is just great. <laughs> and everybody in the church started to laugh, but, but it was real for me. But then all of a sudden, life happens. Everybody say life happens. So I, I got disappointed with, uh, by a minister and ended up walking away from that. And, and it, would be, it wouldn't be until I was 18 years old that I would come back to God. And I, I had to come to a realization is that I'm not serving people. I'm serving God. And so I have to keep my focus on God and not people. So when I renewed my life to God, and I, I, was, I was pretty excited. I, you know, I'd, I'd drive around with a bullhorn on the back of my Jeep and, uh, you know, be announcing that Jesus is alive and well. I remember driving through a place where they had an auction going outside and the auctioneer had a little bitty handheld, you know, PA about that big. I had a, I had a bullhorn like that. And I thought to myself, he doesn't stand a chance. I, I, I drove right up to where that auction was and he was, oh, I got one. And I, I kicked that, that bullhorn on and I said, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and well. And everybody, man, stopped and turned around to see where that was coming from. Everybody say excitement. You know, <clears throat> the problem is, is that sometimes we lose that joy or that excitement that we first had when we first started living for God. I always tell people, I said, you can always tell the difference between somebody that just gave their heart to God and someone that's been living for God for a long time. Sometimes. So because that person that just gave their heart to God is like, oh man, I couldn't wait to get here. You know, and that person that's been living for God for a long time, if you're not careful, they're going, oh man, I sure didn't feel like getting up and coming to church this morning. We lose something. And it's important that we stay attuned to what we need to be able to survive. For a car to work, you have to keep oil in it. You have to keep the tires rotating. You have to make sure that you do tune-ups on it. For your life to work, you have to do the same thing. Because if you're not pouring back into yourself after a while... You're going to have a leaky roof. You're going to find out that the house begins to fall apart or your relationship begins to fall apart. It's not enough just to give our heart to God. We have to maintain the house. Everybody say, maintain the house. So let's talk about some things that you can run into, problems you can run into, 
in a house if you're not keeping an eye out for it. How many of you have ever heard of termites? How many of you have ever had to deal with termites? Aren't they just, you know, amazing little creatures? About that big? And they can literally destroy your house if they're not dealt with. I was preaching a revival in uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi some years ago. And I was, uh, they had a uh, living quarters in the church. So I was staying in the church and one day I was walking around the church and I started looking on the sheetrock and I saw these lines going down the wall. And I thought, oh man, that's, that's not good. They're, see, what will happen with the termite if they get into the sheetrock, you can see little trails that they'll leave in that sheetrock. And I talked to that pastor and I said, I think you may have a problem with termites. And he said, what do you, what do you mean? And I said, well, come in here. And I showed him on the wall because those two by four studs are right on that wall. And so they start eating on that, and, and it'll come, you, you'll, you can see it sometimes through that rock. And I said, do you care if I rip this off? Because all I did was push on it, and it started pushing through. And sure enough, when I pulled that rock off, there were those two-by-four studs, and they were almost just powder. You could grab it with your hand and crunch it, and it, it would be gone and it was a beautiful church, a beautiful church. And it was a fairly new church. But because they weren't keeping maintenance up on it, termites showed up. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you have termites show up even if you've tried to keep an eye out for them? Sure. So it's about, you say, well, what's this got to do with us? It's an it's, it's a allegory of our life. And so if we're not careful what happens in our walk with God, we begin to get lax. And, hey, we were excited when we first gave our heart to God, and we love God. And, and we still want to do right with God, and we still want to serve him. But sometimes the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And sometimes things creep in to your life, and it's like those termites, and it just begins to eat away at it. Everybody say bitterness and unforgiveness. Hebrews 12 and 15 said, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. <laughs> I, I really want you to get this because this is, this is like an endearing scripture. The writer is saying, care for one another. Be concerned about one another. Love each other. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. One of the greatest tragedies in a life would be that we miss out on the grace of God. And here the writer's encouraging us to look after each other so we don't fail to receive the grace of God. Now watch what he says. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Can, I, can we get real transparent here for just a second? Have any of you ever dealt 
with bitterness? Have you ever been bitter over something? It's, it's a bad feeling, isn't it? You know, when it calls bitterness a poisonous root, there's so much truth to that in ways that sometimes I don't think we realize. Did you know that they've medically proven that bitterness can cause cancer? It's not the only thing that causes cancer, but bitterness can cause cancer. They found out that bitterness releases a toxin in your body, and that toxin begins to develop cancer. The challenge is, is that when we get bitter against someone, it's like it's controlling us. And we're, not, we're, we're, we're no longer in control of our emotion. It begins to control us. You, you know, here, if, if you've ever gotten bitter at someone, you know, it's kind of like you can't, I mean, it, it gets to the point where you can't even say their name without wanting to spit. Amen. Don't you all sit there and look like little sweet angels. Where you, when you talk about them and, you, they come up in a conversation. It, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, and it's just something that we wrestle with. But I remember being in Seattle, Washington, and I had been asked to go out there to help a church. And there was a group of ministers that had gone. And this one minister was a very stewardly looking gentleman, but he wasn't much of a gentleman. We were walking downtown in Pike's Market, Pike Street Market, and this guy looked, I mean, he, he, was, he was an elderly fella, had, I, I mean, looked like he had stepped out of a JCPenney catalog, man, and we're walking down, and he so surprised me, we're walking down a crowded street, and I'm walking beside him, and he had like a back scratcher that he'd bought someplace, and he reached up in front of a complete stranger that was in front of us and slapped that guy on the back with that back scratcher and put it, put it back down and just kept walking like he would. Well, when the guy turned around, he looked at me. I'm serious. He thought I did it. And I thought to myself, I thought we were getting ready to get in a knockdown drag out right there on Pike Street Market. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? And I let that little act start to let bitterness get in my heart. Because the more I thought about it, the more it got to me. And I thought, why would he do something like that? Why We're supposed to be here trying to help a church, and he's acting up like this, like some kid. And I just let it, and it just kept building and building and building until I finally got to the hotel room. And when I was at the hotel room, it was, you know, Debbie's dad had made that trip with me. And so he, her dad always had a way of talking to you without talking to you. You know, he'd, he, he just... You know, I, I, I was venting and going on, and he looked at me and said, yeah, it sounds like I really need to pray about that or something. And he went to take a shower, and I got down, and I started praying. And I said, God, I can't help how I feel. I can't change it. I, I, I know it's wrong, but I can't change it. I can't change me. God, I'm asking you to do that for me. 
And after I got done praying, I didn't feel any different. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't feel any different, felt, still felt that. And we went to service that night. And when that man walked in, and that wasn't the only thing he'd done. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but he'd done quite a bit of stuff during that trip, and it just kept building up. But when he walked in the door, I felt something happen in me. And I was able to walk up to him and hug his neck, and I said, brother, I love you, and I meant it. And see, God gives you grace for the moment. That's why he's saying that care for each other. Make sure that you're not missing out on the grace of God. Love one another enough to introduce each other to the grace of God, to remind one another that, look, if God's for us, who can be against us? And always be there to encourage and to strengthen so that no root of bitterness can spring up inside of you. You know, when you get bitter at someone, you don't put them in prison. It puts you in prison. So bitterness and unforgiveness. Matthew 6 and 14, watch what Jesus says here. For if you forgive not men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will, or I'm sorry, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God uniquely connects our ability to be forgiven to our willingness to forgive. Think about it. This is in plain English. This is what God's saying. He said, if you won't forgive that person for what they did to you or for what they said to you, if you refuse to forgive them, then I'm not going to forgive you. I mean, think about it. When, when you think about what we did, what do you mean, what did we do? Well, our sin took him to Calvary. And when we realize that the only way I can receive forgiveness is to give it, it ought to make us want to give forgiveness a whole lot quicker, shouldn't it? Amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to forgive someone? Wave your hand at me if you've ever had to forgive someone. That's hard stuff, isn't it, man? It's like going to a dentist and getting your teeth pulled out. Isn't it? I mean, how many, be honest with me, how many, how many of you just, I mean, how many of you in here don't have any problem at all forgiving? I mean, you just, you know, it just comes natural to you. You know, you, you just, you, you're just ready to forgive it. any, you know, it, you can do it all the time. If that's the case, then you're blessed. But I'm telling you that for most of us, it's something we have to exercise ourselves in. We have to make ourselves do it. I remember, I don't know whether I ought to share this. Okay, hang on. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Is anybody in here old enough to remember when you had to draw bath water and everybody took a bath in it? Wave, wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. 
As a matter of fact, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, have you ever heard the old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? Do you know where that came from? It used to be that because water wasn't a ready available commodity, so they would draw a tub of water from a well or from the river and they would fill up a number two wash tub with it. And then the dad would take a bath in it. Then mom would take a bath in it, same water. Then the kids would take a bath in it, and the last one to get bathed in it is the baby. So when they were bathing the baby, the water was so dirty that if you dropped the baby in the water, you couldn't find it. And so they'd say, don't throw the baby out with the bath water, don't, because it was so dirty. I'm having a flashback of when I was a kid. <laughs> we had a well, and, you know, so you couldn't run a bunch of water from it. And that would that, make all of us boys take a bath in the same water. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even think about it at the time. But now, that, maybe that's why I take showers every day, and sometimes two and three times a day because I'm still trying to get some of that off, you know. But what I'm saying is this, is unforgiveness is kind of like that bath water. You know, if, if, if you carry it, no matter how, how many times you're washing yourself, you're still dirty because you're just hanging, you're just sitting in a, in a, in a, a, a tub full of filthy water. But when you choose to forgive then it's like a spring that begins to well up in your soul and, and it begins to clean you and wash you so that it no longer has any hold on you. Everybody say, forgive. Matter of fact, just turn around. I want to help you exercise this. Turn around, look at somebody you're sitting next to. Are you looking at him? And I, I want you to say this. Are you ready? Say, I want you to forgive me. I don't know if I did anything but I just want you to forgive me anyway. And, and just in case I do something, I, I want you to forgive me. <laughs> I figure, let me just go ahead and ask it three or four times because I don't want to miss it any place. So when you realize that we can't receive forgiveness until we give it, it makes you want to give it, right? Everybody say, I forgive you. So bitterness and unforgiveness are like those termites. They just eat away at you. What about how, how many of you have ever had to deal with mold before? Boy, it became a big deal. You know, mold used to just be something on bread. But then all of a sudden we started finding out about black mold. And, and man, there have been houses that have been completely destroyed over mold. And mold is one of those things that it happens without you realizing it's happening. You get a washing machine that overflows, and, or you got a leak in some plumbing in the wall, and you don't know about it. And then the next thing you know, you start seeing the results of 
that moisture and you, you correct the leak, you take care of the plumbing, but you don't get the moisture out of the wall and it begins to produce mold. When we were doing some relief work down in uh, Beaumont and that area down there, they get hurricanes. And they had water come up in one of the houses. David was there. One of the houses that we went into, the water had come up to about, I think, five feet up on the wall. It was, I mean, it, it, it had gotten real high in that house, and it had stayed in there. If I remember right, it was about for two weeks. And then it went down. So we go in there, and we start trying to take this stuff out and... And that sheetrock, man, would just fall apart. I mean, you'd, you'd go to grab hold. You couldn't pull a piece of it off. It'd just come down into powder. But the problem is, is that people would pull it off, and then they would put new sheetrock on those studs. And those studs were soaked, and it would begin to produce mold, and it would cost people their health. I had a niece that, and she's, she's no longer with us now. She passed, but she, her life became a wreck. She was, she'd been exposed to mold and for years and didn't even realize it. And then it, it caused all kinds of health complications and problems. So those are things that you've got to deal with. Well, how do you deal with that? You've got you to rip it apart. You've got to take it down to nothing. You've got to put in, they, they have these big commercial dehumidifiers that they put in there. They, they rip the rock off those walls and they'll put those big humidifiers in there for days, pulling moisture out of the air. And then they'll spray those studs with a, a, a type of a spray to kill and prevent mold from growing. Sometimes we're just dealing with surface stuff instead of getting down where it's real, the problem is really at. You know what I'm talking about. Me and my brother, my, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but when we were at home, Paul was always, you know, he was more of a homebody and uh, real mild-mannered. And I don't know what got into him one day, but man, he just went off. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he attacked me. He said, you know, he's sitting in there and he's saying, you need to get in there and clean your room. You know, and I mean, he's my brother, you know, so I'm saying, well, you, get out of my face. You know, I, I, we were kids at home and, and, and he, and man, Paul was always real, you know, mild manner and he attacked me, man. He just jumped up and he's a lot bigger than I was. And he came after me and I was in, I was just acting in self-defense and I reached up and smacked him. And when I did, he, he started crying and mom came in there and she's saying, you apologize to him. And I'm thinking, apologize to him. He's bigger than I am. And he said, you, you apologize to him. And so I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, well, just forget it. I wanted to hit him again. <laughs> How, let me ask you a question. Have you ever 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but have you ever apologized to someone and it was just really half-hearted? It wasn't a real apology? Or have you ever apologized to someone and it was a real apology and they didn't receive it? It makes you feel like that you just put yourself out there and, 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 someone, and it, it, it feels like somebody's spitting in your face because you, you put your emotions out there. You, you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And then when it's, when it's not received, it makes you feel belittled. But I want you to hear me. Because it's not in whether or not they receive it that matters. You did what was right. And because you did what was right, God received it, whether they ever receive it or not. So you have to remember that what we do, we do because God's asked us to do it. He's, he's telling us you, you've got to deal with these aspects of your life. We don't want mold getting in our lives. Well, what's, what, what's mold? It's kind of like envy and strife. Anybody ever have that? I know nobody wants to admit to it. Did you ever have envy where one of your friends got a brand new car and they pull up and say, hey, check out the car. See my car? Did you see my car? Oh, that's really nice. We're so glad for you. God, I don't know why you gave them a new car. I'm a lot, I'm a lot holier than they are. I mean, you know, I, I, you know what they do. They talk about everybody, God. And I, I mean, I, I hardly ever talk about anybody. And how come they got... And, and so this envy stuff starts to play into your life and... <laughs> All of a sudden, we, we go down a road that we ought not even be down, and then strife comes up. Listen to what James said, 3 and 16. For, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Did you ever have anybody key your car? It's usually because it's a brand new car. It was probably your best friend. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, sometimes people just act out because they're upset, they envy there, and strife comes up in their heart. And it's one of those things. It's like, any of you ever got tied up in flypaper before? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever set flypaper out? Have you ever set it out? You know what I'm talking about? Where you pull it and it spirals down. And you got to be real careful when you're doing that or you'll get your hand in it. And then it's like. And, you know, and, and the more you get into it, the more it hangs on to you and you've got all this stuff going on. That's like envy and strife. The more you let that begin to take control of your life, it just gets on you and it's hard to get off of you. 
In Proverbs 10 and 12, it says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Love covers all sins. When you love someone. Recently, my wife was telling me about a, a special she'd watched. It was on a news, one of these news shows. And she said that there was a lady, she was, in, she was probably in her 50s, late 50s, uh, early 60s. And this young man had been to a party with some of his friends and his friends. He was a, he was a, a good kid, but his, his friends had put, had laced his drink with LSD. So when he drank it, not knowing it, it just sent him over the edge. He went crazy. He broke into this lady's house and she came out and confronted him and he just beat her. They were showing pictures of her, and her face was all swollen and bruised and bloodied. And, and then he, he came out on the show. After they had seen what he had done to her, he stepped out, and you can imagine the crowd. But then she shared the rest of the story. She said that, God began to deal with her. And she chose to forgive that boy. Amen. Went to where they were going to do the sentencing and asked for leniency. And so instead of that boy going to prison, he was put on probation. And when they brought him out and she began to share, he broke down and started crying. She said, when I'd seen him after that and I saw him in his right state of mind, he looked like a totally different person. Love covers all sin. Amen. When someone hurts you and you choose to love them anyway, it changes a life, and it can transform a relationship. Amen. And so this young man knew what it was to experience grace, given what you don't deserve. Love covers a multitude of sin. What about, have you ever had wrong thoughts it's kind of like bad wiring. Anybody ever have a house that had some bad wiring in it? Our house was built in uh, 1870. So it's, and it, you know, it has stucco and everything on it. When, well, several of you have been to the house. And it, it, when we first got there, it had those old insulators. You know what I'm talking about? Where it was a, a single wire and it had, you know, wrapped around and, you know, and, and they ran those wires, and man, that's scary. When you know, it was probably good stuff when it was first put in, but you know, when all that insulation just crumbling off in your hand when you touch those wires. So we had to 
get it rewired. Our thought process is like bad wiring. Sometimes we need to get rewired. We, we need to correct the thought process. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me just put it in plain English. He's saying, look, don't find yourself starting to do the, go through the same thought process that the world does. Because how many of you know that the world is constantly changing? I mean, things that used to be wrong now are being flaunted as something that's good. How, how, how are you supposed to have a good foundation with that? You can't have one because if a foundation is always shifting, it's going to wreck the house. So you've got to get your thought process right because when you get bad wiring, guess what you stand to risk of? Your house burning down. Amen. I was plugging a... I, I need to have you come by and check something for me later. <laughs> I remember I was plugging a, a heater in or something to uh, one of the plug-ins. And so now it's got me concerned that I may still have one of those single wires going someplace. And I thought it, that was all taken care of. But I went to plug it in and it went, pow! It scared me too. <laughs> and it, it, uh, it just, man, when, I, when I, I did that, man, when you see a ball of fire come out, you know, it's just... So, well, what'd you do? I, I just didn't use that plug-in anymore. <laughs> but see, the problem is you have, to, you have to investigate what the cause is. Because if you don't investigate the cause, then you're running a risk that the house could go up in flames. What's making me think that way? Why do I have those thoughts? Is it because of what somebody did to me or what somebody said to me or the way I was treated? And until you're willing to confront what it is that's trying to destroy you, you'll never be able to change it because what we're not willing to confront will never change. So you have to be willing to sit down and be transparent before yourself and God and say, God, why do I have these thoughts? Amen. Why does this come? Why do I wrestle with this? Why is this happening to me? And God, I'm asking you to change me. Everybody say, change me, God. Now, the unique thing about wiring is you have to disconnect the old stuff. Amen. Because if you don't disconnect the old stuff, just putting in new stuff isn't going to solve the problem. 
Everybody say, I got to lose my old way of thinking. I, I can't just start developing a new way of thinking to go along with my old way of thinking. I've got to get rid of the old way of thinking. Because if I don't, then I'm not going to resolve the issue. Everybody say, a new day. We need daily maintenance. The scripture comes, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us what? Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what's he telling us? He's saying, look, you've got to come to him every day. It's not enough just to give your heart to God at one point. You need to build that relationship and come to him every day. Amen. Matthew 24 and 43 in the New Living Translation, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. So if I knew when a bad thought was coming... I, I wouldn't let it in, right? But see, we don't always know. And so we've got to stand watch. We've got to be vigilant or vigilant. vigilant. <laughs> Excuse me. We, <laughs> we've got to be, somebody look that word up and tell me what it means. We've, we've got to be vigilant in watching our thought process. 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. But if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. If any person's work which he has built on this foundation, that is, any outcome of his effort, remains and survive this test, he will suffer the loss of his or survives this test, he will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up by the test, he will suffer the loss of his reward, yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who has barely escaped through fire. That's a lot of words for this thought. That whatever you build on, however, whatever you're doing in your life, you're building with something. You're either building with gold and silver, precious stones, or you're building with hay and stubble and straw. And the day is going to come when your work or what you've done will be tested. And if you've built with gold and silver, in other words, if you've done what's right and you've tried to live your life the right way before God, your work will survive the test. Amen. But if you don't, it's kind of like, you know, you, go, you guys that are carpenters in here that have, you know, build, when you're building a house, you don't look to try and get by with the cheapest grade of lumber you can because you know that it won't stand the test of time. I don't want old knotted up pine at boards that are split. I want something that's good. When there was a hurricane that came through Mexico here several years ago, it was called Hurricane Maria. We went down and started building. There, were, there was a village that was out on the Gulf Coast, and it was the, the island lost 100 feet of the island. When I was talking to people that were living there, I said, where was your house? And they started pointing out in the middle of the ocean. I said, no, 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 where, where was your house? 
and they point it in the ocean. And then they explain to me when the hurricane came through, it ripped a hundred foot of the island off and sank it in the ocean. And so when we were trying to rebuild for these people and I was going down to the lumber yard and I, I, I got lumber and James will remember this, he was there. I got lumber and they started bringing this stuff out and I thought, are you kidding me? I was looking at it. It was so twisted. I couldn't even believe that it was in a lumber yard. And I had to go back down there, and I made those guys go through every board, and I looked at every board, and that's how I got my lumber because they were throwing anything on there. Boards that had big, long splits down the middle of them, and I thought, I'm not building that way, and neither should we. We shouldn't allow the devil to start messing with our minds and our hearts and, and then we just go on acting like it's okay and nothing's wrong with that. We need to get before God and say, God, I need some preventive maintenance in my heart. I, I want to be right. I, I don't want to just go through life. I want to do what's right in your eyes. Abraham was confident looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Let me end with this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Everybody's saying, unless the Lord builds the house. So we can't do our, we can't build ourselves, right? We need to let God do that. Amen. Everybody say, let God do it. Now, several years ago, I had some plumbing done in my house. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I won't tell them who it was. <laughs> the plumbing that was done connected to, it, okay, from, so from my sink in the kitchen, it went through and somehow it got connected to my shower. Well, one day Debbie had a bunch of poke salad, and she put it down a garbage disposal. Do not put poke salad down a garbage disposal. And she tried to put that down at garbage disposal. Well, all of a sudden, it starts backing up in the sink, and I'm thinking, what in the world? You know, and the sink's all, all raised up. And so what I did was I went and got me a plunger, and I took that plunger, and I started plunging in the sink. And I was so proud of myself when all of a sudden it just, whoo, and man, it just went, it, it just flowed right through there. I found out it came up in my shower. I thought, what in the world's going on, man? And I, so I, I plumbed it. I got rid of it out of my sink, but it was up in my shower. And I thought, this ain't right. And so I had to redo the plumbing. Everybody say, redo your plumbing. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than plumbing problems. Amen. Have you ever crawled underneath a house which you can barely fit under? And you're trying to... I, I, I went on with that for a few years, but the poke salad was the last straw. When the poke salad came up in the shower, there's just something about the idea of standing in poke salad while you're taking a shower that didn't appeal to me. And so when that happened, it, I thought, okay, it's time to bring in a plumber and get this thing straightened out. 
And so everybody say it was expensive. It wasn't cheap. But thank God I'm not dealing with poke salad in my shower anymore. This is what I'm saying. The price that was paid was not a cheap price. Jesus gave his life so we could have life. And he wants us to have an abundant life. Would you stand with me right now? So this is what I'm going to ask you today. Do you have any maintenance issues that you need to get taken care of? If you got bad wiring, thoughts that aren't right, mold showing up, got any envy or strife going on? Do you have to wrestle with termites trying to eat away at you? These are all things that God paid a price for. And he wants you to know that he loves you so much that he'll do whatever needs to be done clip I had for you today was from that old show, Extreme Makeovers. And it was a family called the King family, and they had mold in their house. They had a daughter who had asthma. Thank you. They had a daughter who had asthma. She was only had 56% of breathing capacity because she was living in a house that was robbing her of her ability to breathe. They had been doing a childcare and a lot of times didn't even charge for the childcare. And so they were living below poverty and they didn't know what to do. When they got news that mold was all in their house, they just didn't know what to do. And she was in tears and she's saying, I just need some hope. The crew showed up and moved them out. And several weeks later, when they brought them back and they started shouting, move that bus. I'll probably show this to you next week. They started shouting, move that bus. And they moved that bus. That girl just had a Holy Ghost fit right in the middle of the street. She started jumping up and down and screaming, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Because that old house that she'd been living in, it didn't even look the same anymore, man. It, it was completely transformed. I, 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 you know, I, I don't know from the looks of it, I thought, man, they must have tore that place down and just built another one. But she was so thrilled and she was so excited. And when they went in and he told her, he said, you need to, she, he looked at the little girl and said, I want you to do something. I want you to take a deep breath. And that little girl took a deep breath and she started going like that. And he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm eating oxygen. 
They had put a system through that house like the systems that they have in hospitals to clean the air. And that mother just began to weep and cry because she wanted nothing more than to be able for her children to have an environment to live in that was clean. How about you? Isn't that what we desire? An environment that's clean to live in. So if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I, I need some maintenance. I, I need God to touch some things in my life. I want you, if you would, just to make your way to the front of this building right now. We're going to pray together. You know, it's easy just to pretend like everything's okay and you know, I don't have any issues, I don't have any problems. But I'm just telling you, you're not going to get through life without issues and problems. It's just part of living. But it's learning where we can take those issues and problems that make all the difference in the world, that when we take them to God, and God is able to rescue us. When you've done all you know to do, and you just feel like you can't go any farther. It's when you just stretch that hand to heaven and say, God, here I am. God's looking for us to come to the end of ourselves, so he can rescue us from ourselves. Would you just stretch those hands to heaven with me right now? And I'm going to ask you to just be real transparent with God and let God know, just speak it out to him. What do you want him to change in your life? Come on, take a moment right now to stretch those hands to heaven. Father, here we are. some preventive maintenance, God. Lord, it's not falling apart yet, but God, I, I, I can feel it happening. I, I know where it's going to go if it doesn't get corrected. And so God, we come to you today and we ask you to rescue us, to repair us. Father, we pray God for a right attitude. God, for Lord, we, we want no bitterness in our lives. 
no unforgiveness in our heart. We want you to relieve us from envy and strife. God, we want the right way of thinking. We want to be able to love all men. God, I'm just praying right now that you overwhelm us with your spirit and let us know that you're there every day that all we have to do is call out to you and you'll come immediately and start to work on the issue so father we release ourselves in your hand today we thank you god for your forgiveness we thank you for your love we thank you for your healing God, and we pray, God, that you make us brand new in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Bible says freely you've received. So what should we do? We should freely give. So because we've been forgiven, let's share that forgiveness with others because we've been loved let's share that love with others because we've been set free let's help others find their freedom in Christ I'm telling you the best part of your life is not behind you it's in front of you God's got some good things in store so why don't you just go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise and say I receive that now in Jesus name amen God bless you today. Remember to keep in prayer. We want to see this, all this sickness lifted up. My, my wife's not in here. She made it through praise and worship and she was running fever. So pray for her and let's pray for one another. I want to end with this verse if I can. It's such a good verse. says look after each other say that with me would you look after each other that that has just such a sweet sound to it look after each other be be mindful of one another look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God with all my heart and all my being, I want to make sure that I'm always looking after you so that you're always receiving God's grace. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. May the Lord smile upon you. Father, we thank you for meeting with us. We ask your blessing over each life that you keep us, God, until we meet again. In Jesus' name. Amen.